You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk Bears, the Twitter Spaces live stream that I do whenever I go out on a walk. Uh, appreciate you guys for joining us here, whether you're listening live or on the Windy City Gridiron Podcast Network. Uh, it's been a while since I've went on a walk, so I figure now's as good a time as, as any here. So the preseason's over, and the Bears just lost to the Buffalo Bills 24 to 21. Uh, for those who are just joining who aren't familiar with the format of this show, uh, it's just a Twitter space as you request to speak. If you have a question and I bring you in. So we already have a request. So I'm going to bring in Tony to start. And if anyone else has any questions, feel free to request to speak. But Tony, you're in now. What's up, man? All right. Okay. Uh, do you think the Bears will sign Ben Jones? So, I don't think so. Truthfully, I'm looking at Ben Jones as obviously he's a significant upgrade over the depth the Bears have at center right now. I, I think it's fair to say, given his proven track record at center, he's a better player maybe right now over, say, a Lucas Patrick or a Doug Kramer. But the Bears already have money tied into Lucas Patrick. Ben Jones is, I don't know exactly how old, but he's in the twilight of his career. And I don't think he necessarily lines up with what the Bears are looking at from a roster perspective. And it doesn't hurt in the case that they have right now where they have guys like Jatiri Carter who can slide into, uh, who can slide into center can also play guard, can also play tackle. So I think positional versatility and age, as well as the resources, the money they have tied into Lucas Patrick, the money they have tied into Alex Leatherwood, uh, I'd say probably no to Ben Jones. Uh, I'd be be lying if I said I don't have some level of concern for the center position. That's part of a big reason I wanted them to draft John Michael Schmitz in the second round, but no use crying over spilled milk because, I mean, I'm happy with what the Bears did in round two anyway. So, But, yeah, I'm going to say no on Ben Jones. I don't think that's an option that they heavily pursue. I could be wrong on that, but I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean they not go in that direction uh, just for the time being. I am curious to see what they do at center, though. All right, I have one more question. How do you feel about the backups that – played uh this game 
Uh, is there a specific position, just backups in general, or what do you have in mind? Uh, just in general, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I think that from a pure backup perspective, I think, I mean, obviously, talk about Tyson Bajan. He's the one who stands out the most. Uh, not the sexiest stat line by any means, and I think the dropped touchdown and the interception definitely hurt his case. But from off the eye test, when you factor in that dropped touchdown, when you factor in how he looked on a down-to-down basis, uh, I was definitely impressed with what I saw from him. I, I've been saying over the course of the last few weeks that Bajan doesn't look like an undrafted rookie out there. He looks like someone who's been playing the quarterback position in the NFL for some time. And that's not to say he's going to be the next Brock Purdy where he comes in and the Bears win like seven or eight games and they go to the NFC Championship with him. But he's looked good. And as someone who's a fan of Bajan in the pre-draft process, uh, I'm not surprised that he's looked like someone who deserves to have been drafted, but he's someone who, admittedly, I'm even impressed with the level that he's playing at. So Bajan's a guy who stands out. Uh, I think the secondary was a bit hit or miss today. Uh, Michael Ojemudia was fantastic at corner, broke up three passes. I'm definitely impressed with what I saw from him. I think he made a good argument to make the team as like that fifth or sixth cornerback. Uh, but I, I wasn't super impressed with the safeties as a whole. Uh, and Tyreek Stevenson, he had that amazing interception along the sideline, but definitely ups and downs. Uh, I, I know you said backups, though, so I'll try to stick to that. Uh, and the offensive line had some good moments, but I just think the run blocking wasn't all that great. I was a little, little worried about what we saw on the interior. And then... Outside of Larry Borum, I'm a little bit worried about the tackle depth. I think Kellen Dyche looked pretty good. Dyche, I should know how to pronounce that. I've been watching his tape at Arizona State for a while. Uh, but however you say his name, uh, someone's going to have to correct me on that. But either way. Do, do you think we signed some extra um, linemen um, in free agency or uh, anywhere else? I could see it happening. Uh, and just so, so we got a couple people here in the queue. I'm going to mention uh, that I will get to you guys who have requested to speak. Uh, I believe Frank started first, so we'll go Frank, Blake, Gabe, and Ace in that order. So, but yeah, just for the offensive linemen, uh, I could see maybe if someone with starting experience gets cut, if a high-profile say like an earlier round pick, a younger guy who hasn't necessarily worked out in that Leatherwood kind of mold. If someone like that gets cut, I think it's a possibility that Poles makes a move. I think that right now, Borum's a safe bet to make the team and Jatiri Carter's a safe bet to make the team. And I mean, almost out of necessity, I think Leatherwood is because, you know, I went back to look and the Bears have to eat a significant amount of money to even cut him. So I think he makes the team. Uh, but, yeah, from that point, Lucas Patrick they have. They could free up money with him, but do they really? I'm not sure. I think it all depends on who gets cut. If there's an intriguing enough name, I think polls will be on it. But I don't think it's necessarily a 
a must. Uh, no, let me re- let me reword that. I'm not going to say it's not a must because I feel like it'd be nice to uh, it'd be nice to upgrade along the offensive line, but I don't know if Poles is going to deem it super necessary in this moment. All right, I have one more question. Do you think we'll sign uh, Chris Jones? So, I know a lot of people have been talking about Chris Jones on Bears Twitter and or Bears X, whatever you want to call it. It's still Twitter to me. I don't, I don't give a shit. But I would like to see the Bears make an offer or at least to call the Chiefs. I mean, by all accounts, they have. So, I think Chris Jones is the type of guy who can help transform a defense. He's maybe not to the exact extent of the Khalil Mack trade, but a similar type role where it's like, all right, you've got a young team that added a lot of talent over the offseason. This is what's going to get them over the hump. This would be the three technique, the dominant three tech that would transform the Bears defense. And honestly, there are only a couple of players who fit that mold in the NFL right now. I mean, you're looking at dom- true dominant pass rushing three techs. I mean, Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, DeForest Buckner. Those are the ones that come to mind. I'm sure I'm missing one or two. Uh, but there aren't a ton of those guys. It's not a super common skill set. So I'd like to see them get involved. I don't think Poles is going to go over the top in trying to get him this year because I don't think that uh, – I don't think Poles sees this as a legit Super Bowl contending team. And even if you bring in Jones, I still don't think he sees it as that. I think he sees it as a team who can contribute for a playoff spot, who could compete for a playoff spot, rather. But I, I don't think they do it. I don't think they do it. Maybe if this exact same situation happens a year from now and the Bears have another offseason to add talent, then I think it would be a strong possibility, especially with Bulls' ties to the Chiefs' office. I'm going to say it doesn't happen, but – but you have to check in. You have to check in at least. Yeah, because I know the uh, uh, Foles called um, the gen- uh, general manager of the Chiefs uh, for an offer for him, so for a trade. Yeah, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to follow that whole situation. Chris Jones, obviously, an incredible talent, so would be a great addition for the Bears. Uh, even if it's not super likely. So appreciate you coming in, Tony. Uh, We're going to go to the next speaker here. We're going to go to Frank, Frank Grizzly. We're bringing you in. And then Blake and Ace have still requested I see you in the queue, so we'll get to you there. But, Frank, you're in now. What's up? Hey, Jacob, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. There's a little little reverb in the back, but I think you're – I can hear you just fine. All right, apologies about that, but thank you for the time. Um, I know you're good. That being said, how do you feel about kind of Bayless Jones's roster chances? Is he a roster lock at this point, even given his kind of injury woes up to this uh, time frame, I guess? Just listening to polls on Hogan Johns, you know, he said they really appreciated his overall skill set in the offense itself, not just a return capability, if you will. But just kind of seeing how Tyler Scott had some ups and downs today, you know, he kind of misjudged that punt, but then he takes that kickoff return. Kind of interesting to kind of see what they'll do with returnability uh, on the roster, but just seeing how Velas is, do you think he's kind of just etched in at this point? I mean, even in street clothes? 
So where I'll stand on Velas right now, uh, I'll start by talking about Tyler Scott a little bit too. So I think Tyler Scott's firmly jumped Velas in the depth chart as far as wide receiver goes. As far as returner, I'm not sure. I still think Velas has the edge here. And if he was healthy, then I'd argue he'd probably be starting there as the main kick returner. But I, sh- I saw some intriguing flashes from Scott. And obviously the 50-something yard return was really impressive. Uh, not really going to hold the, uh, the other two returns against him. They didn't make it up to the 25-yard line, but I think the – you know, special teams coaches are kind of going to want to see what they have out of their return specialists in that in the preseason. So they're not as concerned about field position and fair catches and stuff like that. So I'm not going to hold that against him, but was a good return. And the punt was a little, not, not great that you mentioned the, the misjudgment, but uh, there've been flashes with Scott and I'll, I'll go back to saying with Velas, uh, in that regard, I still think he makes the team. I think that it's not 100% certainty. I could see him not making the team. But when you factor in Dante Pettis, he's hurt now. He's on the injured reserve. That was probably his main competition for wide receiver six. Because you compare him to the rest of the guys they have. Valus Jones, they've invested more in him than a, a, uh, a Darius Fountain, a, an Isaiah Ford, and a Simba Webster. And Jones kind of has a skill set that they don't really have in that receiver room, which, okay, you could joke, all right, they don't have a bad receiver in the room. Now they'd have one in Bales Jones. But given his size, his density, and his speed, he's a unique player. So I, I don't think they're going to give up on him just yet. Whether or not he's going to be active consistently on game day, that's another story. Uh, But I think he'll make the cut. I think he'll make the cut because of his return experience, uh, the unique kind of physical skill set he has, and the hope that they can maybe turn things around with him. So I think Velas makes the team. I don't know how much he plays, how much of a role he plays on offense, or as a returner for that matter, but – I think at least when we're talking the 53-man roster, I think he makes the cut. I appreciate that. And that being said, kind of just picking up from this game as well, I mean, Khalil Herbert coming out of college had, uh, you know, kind of three-team, you know, three-wing specialty, if you will, with uh, his returnability, being able to be a core member of special teams. And it seems they've kind of dialed that back. You can see Deontay Foreman on certain special teams units, things of that nature. And then Herbert getting the bulk of the carries at the beginning of the game with the, the first team unit. Do you think he's kind of separating himself between before Foreman? I mean, that's someone I saw coming in from Carolina that I thought would push him, but it seems like he's kind of separated himself. And then it looks like realistically the number two job is just going to be uh, rolled out between Roshan and uh, Foreman. I, I'd like to get your take on kind of seeing if Herbert's kind of cemented himself as that RB1, even with a little bit of a committee behind him. I think that as close as you can get to a consensus running back one in this backfield, I think that's got to be Herbert right now. Uh, I know at least today he had that drop pass on the check down, which was a little worrisome. Uh, 
And, you know, that play alone kind of highlights some of the issue with him is that he doesn't have that significant passing down value. But I think as a two down back, I think he's going to be the main guy to start. Uh, You just look at what he's done over the last two years, one of the most efficient runners in the NFL in terms of yards per carry, yards over expected, yards after contact. Uh, He's been good. So I think he more than deserves a fair shot to be, you know, the de facto starter. But I think the fact is, regardless, the Bears are going to rotate guys at running back. And, you know, you've got Roshan, you've got Foreman. There's a shot that Travis Homer makes the roster. Uh, Treston Ebner is probably more of a practice squad candidate. But I'm going to be interested in seeing how exactly that RB2 role plays out because Foreman's the better, or at least the more proven runner at the NFL level, but I think Roshan is more passing down experience. So definitely going to be interesting to see how they utilize that, but I'm going to say Herbert probably gets a bit more of that RB1 rub right out of the gate, but I could see with Roshan some of the flashes he – excuse me, some of the flashes that he's shown – I think that it seems like he could develop into that RB1 by the time the year's over. I appreciate it. Uh, enjoy your walk, and uh, look forward to your coverage throughout the year. Thanks again, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming in. appreciate you. All right, we're going to bring in uh, Blake now. We've got two more requests. Uh, Ace I'll bring in, and then maybe B23. Thanks for having me. Uh, uh, quick question. Yeah. Travis Gibson. We just seen him play with his head on fire the whole preseason, and it seemed like the team is favoring Rasheem Green. What's that about? So, in that case, I think it's going to be interesting because Travis Gibson, I believe, has been much more efficient. Uh, was it just for now? Uh, Blake, I'm going to. I'm going to mute you for the time being uh, just so whenever people are recording and hearing back this, uh, they don't hear the background noise and I'll, I'll bring you back in uh, once I'm done. But yeah, I think Travis Gibson has been very good off the edge in the preseason. He's playing like a man possessed. He had a strip sack uh, today or today as the time I'm recording this, I don't know when it's going to come out on when you see the gridiron. We'll see, but either way, He's looked really good in the preseason. I'll admit I am a little bit confused as to why it seems like they're putting a little more priority in Rasheem Green, in Dominique Robinson, because Gibson's been the better player, at least in the preseason. So I think the, the trade request is interesting. I think especially the timing for it breaking literally while the game was going on. Uh, I think if you can get like a fifth rounder for him, you do it. Because remember, that's what you invested in Travis Gibson. If you can get equal investment out of him once you ship him off for a one-year deal somewhere else, I think that's worth it. Sixth and seventh rounder, I think, is a bit of a different story. I guess it depends on the landing spot, but I don't know. My, my viewpoint on this it has been the Bears are – pretty unproven at edge and Travis Gibson wasn't great as a starter last year but the year before when 
Khalil Mack got hurt. It was him and Robert Quinn the whole year. Travis Gibson was really good, at least in terms of getting to the quarterback. Uh, pressuring was a bit hit or miss, but get, generating sacks, he was really good. So I felt like he deserves a shot to make the, the team. I feel like he should be a safe bet to make the team, but I don't know if Chicago's front office feels the same way. I mean, shouldn't they have more open minds to the situation? They, I mean, it's not like we have a top-tier pass rusher. I mean, I know we got Yannick now, but aside from Yannick, it's like it's all question mark. You got uh, Project and Dominique Robinson. You got uh, what else? They infatuated with, with Green, obviously. I don't know why. Um, Smith, he looks the part, but it's like after that, it's – Nothing. Yeah, and I think that when you're comparing Gibson to some of these other guys the Bears have off the edge in this on this roster, uh, Gibson's the most proven at the NFL level. I mean, I think more so than than Rasheem Green, than Dominique Robinson, than uh, Terrell Lewis, who is another guy I do think makes the team because uh, he's been impressive in the preseason. Seems like they like him a lot too, but. I don't know. I, I feel like Gibson should make the team. Whether or not he does, I'm not sure. But I think the fact that he's requested a trade makes me feel like he believes he doesn't have a great shot and he feels like he's being kind of closed out. Whether or not that's the Bears evaluate him differently from the way that we do or whether it's the Bears being closed-minded, which definitely wouldn't be ideal. I don't know what the case is there, but – it's something I'm going to monitor. It's something that I'm sure we're going to see play out here over the next two weeks. But if I'm the Bears, I'm keeping Travis Gibson on the roster uh, over Rasheem over Rasheem Green. Uh, keep Dominique Robinson on the roster, I believe. But I think Gibson's a guy who should get more reps over him. So uh, definitely going to be an interesting situation to to monitor, even though I don't really agree with how they're going about it. Yeah, definitely. All right, last question. How long do you think it takes Roshan to unseat Herbert for RB1? So this is a tough one because I think that a lot of different factors can play into it. Like, is, is someone going to get hurt? Is, is you know, Herbert going to just fall off a little bit? Is Roshan going to explode? Uh, I think a fair bet is, like, week – like, week – somewhere between week seven and eight. I think that's pretty fair just because I don't think he's going to – Roshan's going to be RB1 right out of the gate, but I do think it's going to happen by the end of the year. Uh, I think he's yeah. going to – maybe not – in week one, he might even be just the third-string running back like he's been in the preseason. Uh, if you think back kind of what they had in 2019 with uh, Mike Davis and Tariq Cohen being ahead of David Montgomery, and then Montgomery eventually unseated both those guys – as the RB1, uh, I can see a similar situation playing out there. So I'd say week six through week eight, somewhere around there. Uh, obviously, there's other stuff that could, you know, pull that off or that could accelerate that takeover a little bit. But I think it happens. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, I agree. All right. Thanks. thanks. No, of course, man. Appreciate you coming in. All right. All right. That was Blake coming in. Appreciate Appreciate the questions there.
I'm gonna bring in uh, I'm gonna bring in Ace next. It's gonna be our next speaker, and then Bailey B23 and Mr. Big Z is coming up next. So Ace, you're in though at King Crow Snow One on Twitter. How you doing? Doing good, man. Um, so I'm coming from enemy territory. I just want to get some insights. I'm a Packers fan. I want to know what the expectations are for Bears fans for this season. Because I just want to know if it makes sense of like what I expect your team from from my perspective. It seems like you guys are still rebuilding. I have big question marks about both sides of your trenches. I think they're the weakest part of your teams. Um, if I had to like guess, I think you guys are about a six seven win team. If I had to be honest. I wanna know what Bear fans like think. So I, I appreciate you coming in and uh, mentioning that because I, I think that it's an interesting kind of perspective to see how Bears fans view their own favorite team compared to how teams around the league view the Bears. I am a little bit higher on the Bears than you are. I'm not to the full extent that some members of the Bears fandom is. Uh, I do think they've improved significantly on both sides of the ball. I agree with you. I'd like to see – I have a few questions about the trenches on both sides, especially with all the offensive linemen getting hurt and the just the question marks surrounding Nate Davis right now at right guard I'm a little concerned with. But – and then Tevin Jenkins, who's been a great guard. Uh, he was last year, and he showed some flashes as a rookie at tackle, but, you know, he just can't stay healthy. So – that and the defensive line is definitely better than it was last year, but I'm a little concerned up the middle. I don't know exactly how much of an immediate impact those rookies are going to have. So I've been saying eight and nine. So just a little bit higher on the Bears than you are because I, I think their linebacker group is as good as any in the league. I think maybe the 49ers have probably have a better room, but other than that, You'd have a hard time, you know, convincing me that there's a better linebacker group than the Bears around the league. And I think the secondary and the weapons they have are on the rise, up and coming. I think DJ Moore was a massive addition. I think Fields still has some stuff to answer, but I also think that he's going to take a step. Just depends on how big of a step that's going to be. So, obviously, when you're looking at the worst record in the league, there's nowhere to go for nowhere to go but up, and I think they do go up a good amount. But I'm saying eight and nine. Some Bears fans say like nine and eight, ten and seven. I mean, I think the best case scenario for the Bears is ten and seven. I don't think that's the most realistic scenario, but just because they have a lot of those a lot of those games that are kind of toss ups, say they win a majority of those then they'll be in playoff contention. But that also means you have to do really well in the division. It also means that you can't afford to lose any of those gimme games that you have. So I'm going to go eight and nine. I think it's somewhere in the middle between, all right, they'll have an improvement, but not like a great improvement. And they'll shoot right away into playoff contention. So I think they'll be in the hunt for the wild card, but – I think they miss out this year, and then 2024 is the year they make the playoffs. Awesome. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a playoff team. The NFC is 
arguably the worst it's been in a while. Um, when you take when you kind of go through each team, um, I just want to leave off um, with saying that I think Luke Getzey really impressed me towards the end of the season last year. I think the way he was scheming and kind of like turn fields around, like playing to his strength, was really interesting to me. I, I'm still a big fan of Getzey. I wish the Packers would have kept him um, and let him go, like maybe let him keep with the love, maybe. But, you know, it happens. You guys got a good one. But all right. Thank you, my man. Yes, sir. I appreciate you coming in, man. It's always tough to uh, come into enemy waters. So I always respect when, you know, Packers fans come in and they're willing to have, you know, like a civil conversation. And I know Bears fans can be uncivil too towards them. So uh, it's nice when we're able to just have like an honest, like good, solid conversation. So vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away that's where viator steps in you can book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Bailey, Bailey B23. I'm going to bring you in at Bailey Blodorn on Twitter. Uh, got two other requests I'll get to, but Bailey, right now you have the floor. Hey, Jacob. I uh, appreciate you having me on. I uh, just want to say I'm a little bit more on the optimistic side for the Bears. Uh, I was last year, obviously, kind of bit of bold on that one a little bit, but I kind of, you know, similar to Ace was saying, I was wondering what you think sort of the ceiling for the team is just. In terms of, I feel like the Bears are, you know, obviously it's a big question mark. It's, they could be anywhere, in my opinion, from like five wins to, to 11 wins. 
But what do you, is there any chance they even could maybe like make an NFC Championship game if if the O line and the D line if they do step up a little bit more than we expect them to? So I'm going to say there's a non-zero chance that happens, just because you know, like uh, like we mentioned, the NFC is honestly pretty weak right now. Uh, there's not a true proven dominant team in the NFC North. I mean, the Lions are on the up and up, but got to see if they carry on the momentum. Uh, Vikings lost a lot of guys and a lot of, had a lot of one possession wins, which hasn't been sustainable in league history. Uh, Packers lost Aaron Rodgers, and then look around the rest of the NFC. How many of those teams outside of like the division winners or even including the division winners, how many of them are legit Super Bowl candidates? I mean, the Eagles, the 49ers, maybe the Cowboys. I think right now those are the only three teams I'd consider, and the Cowboys even are a bit of a stretch. So I'd say that if Justin Fields makes a big step, if the trenches outperform the way that many of us expect them to, then yeah, I could see them you know, winning the NFC North and making somewhat of a run. I don't think that this roster is built for maybe an NFC championship appearance. I think, so my opinion is the absolute ceiling, like a best case scenario that's even remotely realistic for the Bears is 10-7, and seven, win the NFC North, and they win in the wild card but lose in the divisional round. I think that's the, the absolute ceiling you're looking at with this roster. Uh, whether or not they get there, I'm not sure. Uh, got to have a lot of factors go their way for that to happen. Uh, and I do think the ce- the floor is around where you mentioned, like, you know, 5-11, and 6-12, and 12, say if, if Fields gets hurt or the offensive line continues to have injury issues, the defensive line doesn't perform well, and, you know, like all hell breaks loose. But – I, I do think that that's probably what you're looking at from a ceiling perspective. I don't think this is a Super Bowl contender by any means, but I think it's a team where if all goes well, they could be a lot better than people expect them to. It's just a matter of how many of those lucky breaks are they going to get. Yeah, totally. I, I appreciate that answer, and I, I agree. I guess uh, one one last question as well. Um, In terms of, like, draft capital, I guess – I know, like, a lot of people in, in terms of, like, the Bears community kind of think it's sort of like a duel between Chase or, or Darnell for the contract for the receiver. But what are your thoughts on, on potentially maybe re-signing both to contracts um, if, you know, if we use them kind of even this year and they may not get, you know, a huge market value and then trying to use that capital on the line? I just feel like there's – most people understand the value of having a good offensive and defensive line, and those guys are so expensive and – and having those guys on team-friendly deals, what do, what do you think about potentially doing that instead of just using it on, on skill guys next year in the draft instead? Yeah, so I'll say that I think the odds that they re-sign both Claypool and Mooney, even if it's not – I'd say it's less than a 50-50 shot, but I think it is a bit more likely than people are maybe giving it credit for. Just because you look at Darnell Mooney, you look at Chase Claypool – Claypool has his fair share of concerns from, you know, past injury stuff to, you know, rumors about, oh, maybe he's not the best personality fit in some of these locker rooms. That might hurt his value a bit. Darnell Mooney, a solid player, but how high is his ceiling really? Have we seen the best of Mooney when he had that thousand yard season? How much better is he going to be than what he is right now? So I think those are valid questions to ask with both receivers and 
could give the Bears a little bit of a discount. Uh, so I'm going to say that I don't think it's absolutely impossible the Bears bring back both receivers. I'm still leaning towards they bring back one of them. And if I had to guess right now, it would be Mooney. But anything can happen. And I, I agree with you that having young, talented players in the trenches on cheap deals is a super valuable asset. You know, honestly, maybe almost not quite as much as having a quarterback on a rookie deal, but I think that might be the next best, uh, the next best thing is having like a star left tackle or a star edge rusher on a rookie deal who's playing at a proven Pro Bowl level, which you can get in round one, it may be even round two in some cases. So I don't think it's super likely both receivers get re-signed by the Bears, but I don't think it's impossible by any means either. I think it's a, an actual possibility that I think we should talk a little bit more about uh, as the year goes on. Awesome. Well, I appreciate uh, you having me on. And obviously, uh, Bear down this year, and hopefully it's a little bit better than uh, we anticipate. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, I appreciate you coming in. Uh, looking forward to the year. Bear down, man. Alrighty, so we're going to bring in uh, at CodeZman65 next. Uh, Sam the Jedi will bring you in after. Uh, for those just tuning in, uh, I'm on Twitter Spaces right now. You can listen to the whole thing over at the Windy City Gridiron Podcast Network if you missed anything. But uh, for now, Mr. Big Z, you've got the floor. What's up? Uh, uh, hello. Good evening, uh, Mr. Jacob. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. You know, I'm just getting out, getting some fresh air after some Bears football. So definitely been worse. So what's up? Um. Well, my question. Uh, um. Who's that guy? The Packer fan that came here kind of um answered it already. But yeah, I was just gonna ask what you think the ceiling uh for this team was because for me, it I kind of agree that I think the my prediction is eight and nine. And I think the ceiling for that team is probably around the same record, but we make the wild card. And um, being realistic, if we make the wild card, we're probably going to get blown out. But, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's fair. I think that it also depends on a lot of external factors in the NFC. I mean, what happens when Derek Carr comes into New Orleans if you're not throwing a Chris Olave? And if Michael Thomas can somehow stay healthy uh, – the Saints are a team I think could make a little bit of noise and be a lot better than maybe some people expect them to be for all their flaws. uh, They've got a solid quarterback and, you know, a stud young weapon and someone who's been good. who have just had a lot of bad luck with injuries. So them or a team like them or a team like the Falcons who could break out. uh, There are a lot of different, a lot of different possibilities that could happen out of the NFC. So I think that also. I mean, we got like. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I mean, we got like ten. In my opinion, there's about ten games on our schedule that are winnable on paper. I'm gonna say we win five of them, and then we'll probably get about two or three games that are like, you know, light or like full on upsets, and that will kind of trickle on to eight and nine. You know. Yeah. No, and I think that's a. I think that's a pretty fair assumption because. I feel like a lot of people tend to look at those those toss-up games and it's like, oh, look at all these winnable games we have. Surely that means we're, you know, my favorite team's going to get 11 or 12 wins because there are a couple games that 
I could see them winning. And realistically, oh, they're yeah. not going to win all of those games. Uh, unless you're the Vikings and you squeak out with a historic, you know, 13-0 and or whatever in one-possession games. Yeah, that was a flip. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that's sustainable. Uh, but, yeah, realistically, like looking at the – the, the league history average, uh, you you tend you do pretty well usually in those games, but you're not going to win them all. So, I, I think that there's some some people within the Bears fan base who are maybe overshooting a little bit. Uh, in an absolute dream scenario, yeah, they'll win 10, 11 games. I think ten, like I said, is the absolute best case realistic scenario, just given. They still have some deficiencies at key positions, but uh, should be interesting. Though I think a lot of those winnable games should make for a lot of fun football. Oh, absolutely! I think if we can, I think we're going to be after week seven. I think we'll be four and three personally, and I think that'll be decent. Yeah, I mean, I think that maybe five and three. Yeah, no, and I think that's a, I think that's a good point to go into in the halfway point of the year. Uh, if you're sitting above 500, obviously you're thinking playoffs. So that would be an ideal start to the year. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervously anticipating uh, the regular season just because I think there's so much up in the air about this Bears team, and I just want it to. Uh, I just want to put all the questions to rest. Oh yeah. And the final question is: Well, it wasn't really a question. It was more of yeah. a statement. But I just feel like no matter what happens this year. I feel like Poles has set out like a like a roadmap or a plan where no matter what happens, we have a plan and we'll be still better off. You know, if Fields doesn't work out, we have the draft capital to manage that. If he does, great. So it's like he, he's he's built up this team in a very short time, and you know, I'm I'm confident in what he's been able to do so far. No, I'm I'm with you there. I think that I'm. I'm encouraged by some of the moves that Poles made this offseason. I think that, honestly, I'm super excited to have two first-round picks next year just because it provides so much long-term flexibility. So in in a doomsday scenario, Fields doesn't play well, and they have to move on from him. They have two first-round picks. They could trade up to get someone uh, or then trade Fields off for, you know, a decent draft package. But that's an absolute worst-case scenario. I think more realistic is Fields takes a step, exactly how big of a step, you know, that's up for debate. We'll see. But I think he improves, and you have those two first-round picks to maneuver around a little bit. If you want to trade up for someone, you can. If you want to stockpile those draft picks and just add some high-end blue-chip talent out of the draft, you can. And they have a lot of options in free agency, too. They've got a lot of cap space. You know, still a handful of their own guys that got to resign, but uh, they have flexibility, so they can they can really go in a lot of oh, different absolutely. directions. So I'm excited to see what the future. Yeah, that's has. amazing. No, for sure. Yeah, it's amazing what tanking can do to you. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, really, I uh, I'm going- I don't know why more teams don't do it. I'll be real, but I'm just glad we didn't pull a tax in because I was terrified that we were going to fuck up and win one of those games oh, yeah. in like December. That would been terrible for us. But anyway, thank you. Yeah, no, of course. Appreciate you coming in. So I, uh, but yeah, that's kind of crazy to think about. Like if the Bears even won just one more game, if they didn't lose like eight in a row, uh, Bears might not have DJ Moore right now. 
and they might not have the exact level of long-term flexibility that they have right now. So for those of you saying tanking doesn't work, uh, you win those meaningless games to close out the year. You you have fun with that. Uh, I'll stick to I'll stick to trading out of a number one pick and getting a shit ton of draft capital. So that's just me. Uh, we're gonna move on to some of our next speakers. Uh, Sam's been in here a bit, so I'm gonna bring Sam in. Got a couple other requests I'll get to here. Uh, so Sam, right now, you're in. What's up? Hey, what's going on, Jacob? I'm doing. Thanks for having me on your. Uh chat man i appreciate that yeah no of course thanks for coming in yeah no problem brother hey so just kind of building off of something that i just heard you say when you were talking to the last guy i think you described your your tone that you know this upcoming scene is cautiously optimistic correct yeah and uh, that kind of struck the core with me too because i gotta feel like that's exactly where i am and especially after watching today's preseason game um you know being a bears fan and you know being excited for where we are with, you know, fields and the new weapons. I don't know. I felt, I, I felt like I was expecting a little bit more out of the starters, right? Um, I get that it's, you know, preseason and it's the Buffalo Evan Bills. Um, but I don't know, man. It's just There was something just kind of stale about, you know, their effectiveness out there. Now, the pass to DJ Moore, I mean, DJ Moore is a freaking yards after catch god. Yeah, and that nice little run that Justin Fields had getting out of the pocket for like 15 yards—that was good too. You know, that's reminiscent of what we saw last year. But I just think that, given what we haven't seen from Fields really in these you know past year and a half, is sitting in that pocket and dialing up those passes like we've heard that he's been doing in training camp. You know, we only saw him a little bit in the uh, the Titans game, and then we only saw him a little bit on this game too. Like. I just don't know, man. And then you couple, you know, these injuries to our offensive line, right? That, yeah. I mean, I'm super excited for the season. I think that we will do better, but I just I have no idea what to expect, especially after today. Like, I want the I want them to be above 500. I want them to go and you know take care of the Packers week one. But just kind of given the situation, like it's just so. I just don't know, man. And I'm just kind of wondering, you know, from your perspective, you know, like how are you breaking this down with what you've seen in preseason from the starters and we've seen training camp from the starters? Yeah, I mean, I'll just say I think your your question marks around this Bears team are extremely valid. I think that a lot's going to rely on what happens with, uh, with Justin Fields and his development as a passer. I'll say from just the preseason finale here today against the Bills – we saw that creativity. We saw that ability to uh, move around in space, the ability to extend the play, I thought was impressive. Uh, I think he – DJ Moore did a good job of eating up the soft spot in the zone across the middle of the field on that big gain, and Justin Fields found the open man. But at the same time, that one jump ball throw to – I want to say it was Mooney. I could be totally off base on this. It was to someone. It was, it was a jump ball. It was, the, it was the DJ. It was the DJ. It was the DJ. Okay, yeah. So there was like that jump ball where the whoever the Bills DB was had the inside leverage. And if that pass was going to be completed, it had to be thrown to the outside shoulder. And Fields threw it to the inside shoulder. And that's right where the DB had the advantage. Obviously, I'd like to see a little bit better placement there. And I agree. I think in terms of poise – you know, moving around in the pocket, feeling comfortable there. I, 
I'd say Bajent looked more comfortable in the pocket than Fields did. And before I get comments saying, oh, you're overreacting, this isn't me saying Bajent is better than Fields. I don't think that's the case. This isn't me saying that the sky is falling and Fields is bad. This isn't me saying that. I'm just saying in this one aspect of playing the quarterback position in terms of moving around in the pocket, scanning the field, and showing poise, I think Bajent looked better than Fields in that specific area. So I think you're totally correct. I think you're totally correct on that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, so I want to see what Fields can do with a healthier offensive line. I think that's something to keep in mind, too, is that front has been decimated with injuries over the last few weeks. But at the same time, I mean, that kind of stuff happens in the NFL sometimes. So you need to be able to work through that adversity. And if one of your key guys gets hurt or a couple starters go down, you need to be able to bounce back. So, again, it's such a small sample size of fields that I'm not super worried. I totally get the valid concerns. There are still question marks surrounding fields, surrounding this Bears offense, and that's that's part of why I'm not going to jump and say, oh, they'll make the playoffs this year. But I, I think there's, yeah. there's a lot of room for improvement, a lot of upside. There's a high ceiling both this year and next year and in the years to come. But I, I just think that there's going to be some stuff they'll have to overcome uh, this year, at least. 100%, man. And, um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said, dude. There's, there's a lot of question marks specifically around fields, too. And if you don't think there are, then, you know, that's silly. We, we need to see his poise as a passer translate to the NFL. Right. That's how he's going to take the next step, and that's how it's going to be. You know, once we have our two first-round picks next year, we draft well. That's how we're going to be able to get and start finally being a contender and contending with the Buffalo Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals. We need we need him to start throwing the ball a little bit, man. And I guess my my, my leading question for you, Jacob, is like if we let's say Justin Fields rushes again for this year for a thousand yards, right? And let's say he has about three or 400 more yards of passing, right? I think that would take him up to just under 3,000, around 2,800, 2,900 passing yards, right? Would you be satisfied with that moving forward in 2024's draft? Or are you starting to really ask some questions, especially not, you know, in that zone where we have all that draft capital? So off of that, I mean, obviously, if you have a quarterback rushing for a thousand yards back to back, that's, you know, that's elite territory. Uh, so I, I'd keep that in mind, but I'm with you there. I do want to see more improvement as a passer. I think, say, if he gets like an extra 300, 400 yards, that'd be really nice. But is it enough to warrant passing up on the opportunity to get a Caleb Williams or a Drake May? I'm not sure because I think, I think Williams is around that, maybe not to the full extent, but around that Trevor Lawrence level as a prospect, around that Joe Burrow level as a prospect. I think as of right now, I mean, a lot can change. I, I do have Caleb Williams graded higher out of college than I did Justin Fields. So off of that alone, I think that's something to keep in mind, just how good of a prospect he is. But 
I don't know. I, I think there's still a couple outside factors I'd have to consider there, like touchdown to interceptions, uh, just the overall success of the team. I hate saying QB wins, but if, you know, if the Bears can win with that as opposed to if, you know, because you're looking at Lamar Jackson. I mean, he doesn't get like 4,500 passing yards every single year. He gets like around 3,000 and he's contributing at least 800, 900 rushing yards. And the Ravens can win with that. So even if Justin Fields' passing stats aren't super sexy, I think it's still possible they can win with that. Uh, but I, I'd say all things considered equal, if he puts together even like the exact same season he had last year and he does that again this year, then I think you'd start to consider options outside of just him at quarterback. So uh, – I hope that answers the question. And it's a it's a tough thing to predict this early, but I uh, I think the yeah. good thing about what what Poles has done is having that extra draft capital, having that flexibility. In a doomsday scenario, they need to move on from Fields. Uh, they'd be well equipped to do so. Yeah, agreed, man. And I know that's it's a very tough question, right? That's unfortunately why I had to ask because I've been pondering yeah. that myself. But, uh, yeah, I'll let you go, man. Thank you again for having me on. Bear down, everybody, and uh, cautiously optimistic. That is going to be the phrase of the season. Let's hope it uh, translates to something good for us. Absolutely. See you later. Yeah, no, appreciate you coming in, man. It was uh, nice talking with you. So that was Sam. I uh, appreciate him coming in. Bear down. Uh, we got two requests right now. I'm going to bring in – I'm just going to go in the order they came in. So I'll go Alexander and then Sravan I'll bring in next. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to request to speak in the Twitter spaces if you're listening live. I don't know how many more I'll do after the two people who have requested so far, but if we get, say, one more, then I might be able to do some because I'm nearing the end of my limit here for uh, just my bodily functions. I need to work on my stamina in more ways than one. So, uh, hi, Jacob. How are you? Hey, Alexander, I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing all right. Um, a little bit off topic from the preseason game, but yeah. um, I heard a report from yesterday that we're, you know, wanting to trade for Chris Jones, and I'm a, kind of like an optimistic guy and hoping that we'll make the playoffs this year. Yeah. And I was thinking of maybe like a Khalil Mack-type trade, if we can do that. I just kind of like thinking of what is your opinion on the Chris Jones trade, and what would you give up? Yeah, so... In that case, it's an interesting situation because uh, Chris Jones, like you know, we, we touched a little bit about it earlier in the show. Uh, he's a, just a rare talent at defensive tackle. You don't see a lot of guys who can rush the passer as well as Chris Jones can, as well as what he can do against the run. And, you know, everyone, Bears fans have heard the value of the three-technique defensive tackle over the outside shoulder of the guard, the ability to – create pressure from there in this defense, what that can do to transform this unit. So I think it'd be, it'd be foolish to not check in on Chris Jones. I think that you're not going to go all out to the point where, oh, you're trading multiple first-round picks for him like you did with Khalil Mack. Because truthfully, I don't think the Bears are in position to do that right now. I don't think they have the roster that's necessary to be able to make that big of a risk. Uh, not a risk, but to make that big of a move. Because you look at the Bears back in 2018, I'd say that was a much more 
complete unit, even without Khalil Mack. Much more complete unit than what they have right now. Uh, There's star power on both sides of the ball in both cases, but uh, I still think there are a few positions that need to be fixed for the Bears before they can make that big of a move. But I I will say this. If this situation took place a year from now, I'd be all over it for the Bears. I'd be all over it. Would you would you trade a first the Bears first round pick for him while maintaining the Carolina first round pick? Because personally I think we'll do better than Carolina, hopefully. Yeah. I uh, hope yeah. so. I mean I, I would you trade a Bears first round pick for him? I mean I agree. I think the Bears are gonna be better than Carolina this year, so naturally I'm gonna put more stock in the Carolina first round pick. So if I had to part with one of them, I'd prefer to part with Chicago's own pick. I mean, especially if you're bringing in a guy like Jones that's going to make this roster even better than what it is now. But in an ideal world, and again, I don't have any trade value, any calculators in front of me. This is just me spitballing off the top of my head. I would love a situation where the Bears trade a 2025 first-round pick and say like a fourth-rounder in 2024 – I don't know if that's enough for Chris Jones. Maybe you up it to a third instead, something like that. But in that situation, you have two first-round picks in 2024 to upgrade the edge, to upgrade if you need to bring in a new offensive lineman or another receiver or another corner if you don't bring back Jalen Johnson. Uh, You'd have a lot of flexibility there. And in 2025, keep in mind, you still have two second-round picks because of – you know, taking Carolina's second rounder in 2025. And we've seen the Bears in the last couple of years with uh, that Polkamet-Jalen Johnson combo with the Kyler Gordon-Jaquan Briscoe combo. I mean, you can do damage with two second round picks as your first two picks. Uh, But again, I I don't know if the Chiefs would give into that. I think I'd be willing to part with a first rounder for Chris Jones. As for multiple, I wouldn't do it. If it's like a first and a second rounder, I probably wouldn't do it. But like a first and a third or anything below that, I would consider. So it's going to be interesting, though. Uh, I don't know exactly how much the Chiefs value him, what their internal asking price is for him. But I think at the very least, the Bears need to make a call for it just because players like that don't get available super often. Yeah, I get it. I'm I'm a little bummed, still bummed out about Jalen Carter. I really wanted him. Yeah. But I mean, I'm satisfied with Darren Alright and you know protecting fields and all that. So that's really not my thing. That's it for me. Uh, bear down, everyone. Uh, have a good day. Have a good rest of your day. Appreciate it, man. Bear down. And yeah, no, I get it. Uh, I was pushing for Jalen Carter at nine, and once they traded back, I kind of realized like, all right they have a chance to get Jalen Carter and they're trading down to a team that they probably know is going to take Jalen Carter. That makes me think he wasn't a serious option. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of risk there. I think the Eagles are way more uh, well-equipped to take on that kind of a risk than the Bears are right now. But I'm confident it'll all work out. So uh, Sravon will bring in here. Uh, if you have any, if anyone has – any questions they'd like to ask, I can probably take one more after this. I'm nearing the end of my walk, but right now, Servan, you've got the uh, you've got the floor. What's up? What's going on? How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Appreciate you coming in. 
Thank you. And uh, for all of you listening out there, Bear Down, check out my podcast on YouTube. like to have as many Bears fans on there as I can. Yes, um, but first things first, though, uh, uh, Jacob, first question is, I do believe the Panthers will be worse than the Bears, but I do have uh, reservations primarily regarding the Panthers pick because, for, forgive the sounding, but what if we're in a situation where the Panthers have the let's say the number two overall pick because the Cardinals get number one, they take Caleb and yeah. we're in prime position to potentially land Marvin Harrison Jr. Which, which instantly transforms offense, but we have so many needs in other areas on our line, like on our team, such as in the offensive line, defensive line and whatever. Yeah. Would you be willing to pass up on Marvin Harrison Jr. for a wagon of draft picks if it gets to that point? So and that, that that is a tough one to think about because I, I will say that Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, I think he's he's going to be up there in that in that Jamar Chase in that Jalen Waddle and that Devontae Smith. Those were the three, at least off the top of my head. Those are the three top receivers that I've ever watched at the collegiate level, all coming from that same class. I think Marvin Harrison's right up there with them. I think he has the chance to end up with a higher grade even. Than those guys, uh, let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on mute just for a second, uh, and I'll bring you I'll bring you in. I want some done talking if we want to follow up. Uh, so I, I will say though that uh, if you can trade down, say you can still end up in the top ten while trading down from two, and you get a future first round pick out of it. I think you do that over staying put with Marvin Harrison Jr. at two just because you're still getting a shot at a potential blue chip prospect and you're taking as many swings as you can. And that's, that's my philosophy with the draft. That's, that's been the philosophy with a lot of teams who have been able to achieve sustainable success in the long run is acquire draft capital. Don't be afraid to move back, take advantage of teams, who need a quarterback. And if you're in a position like the bears where say they're like, all right, fields is the guy after this year, you have no doubts. Then I'd love to see them trade back. Just keep stockpiling those first and second round picks and work with that from there. But I do think it would be tough to trade out of that just because again, Marvin Harrison jr. Is one of the best collegiate receiver prospects we've seen in quite some time. My comparison to for him has been, and I know this sounds hyperbolic because he's a Hall of Famer and all that, but legit, like Terrell Owens. I think that's how good Marvin Harrison Jr. can be. Whether or not he will be that, I don't know, but I think that's his absolute ceiling. A guy who's that big, who's that fast, who can catch that well, who's that smart of a route runner, who's just that consistent. You don't see that type of player very often. So, again, if you're at two... I think there is a certain package of picks that would become too intriguing to pass up on, but that's not a knock on Marvin Harrison. That's just more of a, a philosophical standpoint of having all those draft picks to work with. Uh, but again, if they, st- if they stay put at two and took Marvin Harrison Jr., you sure wouldn't see me complaining. Right. Um, my second question would be, we just saw what happened with Trey Lance. The man initially was traded for three first-round picks 
and a bunch yeah. of other picks by San Francisco to move up. And unfortunately, that experiment now ranks among the worst trades in NFL draft history. Let's just say again, the Bears are have Carolina's pick, and Carolina's pick is in the top part of the draft. And a team wants to trade up with us. What do you think the uh, requisite package would be for the Bears to want? So in that sort of situation, uh, I, I'd like for it to be still in the top 10. I think that's a dream scenario if you're moving down from, say, if the Panthers get the second pick. Uh, if it's the first pick, I'm having a freaking bidding war because Caleb Williams is probably going to be the top pick there, and his price is going to be through the roof if I'm Chicago. Just hold the rest of the league at ransom and work from there. But even at number two, I mean, Drake May is a very strong quarterback candidate. Right now, for me, he's just slightly below. Like what I saw Justin Fields at Ohio State, but he's, I'd say he's still better than Tua coming out of Alabama when you factor in the injury. A bit more polished than Justin Herbert was coming out of Oregon. I, I'd say that's my actually. My best case scenario for Drake May is he turns into a Justin Herbert level player. Uh, and again, the worst case scenario in the middle, the middle ground is lower than that. But again, you've got two really high upside quarterbacks. So if you're picking in the top two, your asking price is going to be super high. So you'd absolutely have to throw in a 2025 first round pick as well as a second round pick in at least one of 2024, 2025. Uh, I don't know if you're getting a player out of it. I think that might've been just specific to the bears and Panthers deal where the Panthers had someone the bears wanted and were willing to make a, you know, a big play for, I think that a majority of the time you're still going to see draft picks as the primary uh, currency that's used in those kind of picks. But I'd say at least one first-round pick, at least one second-round pick, probably two second-round picks. Uh, if you draft out of the, if you you move out of the top ten, I'd ask for two first-round picks in addition to that 2024. Uh, again, this is me just spitballing. I have no idea off the top of my head what this matches up, but you, you're going to have to include uh, multiple selections in the first two rounds, whether it's in 2024 or beyond. So. I think that's a situation where, say, if you move back into the top 10 and you get two first-round picks in addition to, say, number nine, I say you do that. Or if you move back to nine and you get a few, you get nine, a future first, two seconds, I say you do that. But, again, it's got to be a steep price. So that's just me spitballing. Uh, I'd have to go back and – make sure that the, uh, the value all labels out from a chart perspective and, you know, get on my calculator and whatnot like the nerds do. So, uh, but I hope that answers your question and gives you a little insight, uh, at least from my perspective, uh, of what kind of draft package you need to get in order to move out of that situation. Yep, and that's all the questions I have. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, no, of course. Appreciate you coming in. I always love the chance to talk draft. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. It's mine. So I always love when people ask me draft questions, uh, especially this early in the year, because I've been doing, I've been doing preparations for some time and I feel like I'm going crazy because I have all these takeaways and I'm like, 
are people really going to be interested in that right now? So I do it more just to stockpile. So once January, February hits and that interest, you know, spikes up, then I have that expansive ability to cover whatever. But uh, yeah, always love it when people bring up draft questions. So, all right, we got two more requests. These are going to be the last two that I take. Uh, Matt Kressel requested to speak and then Evan Kennedy will be my last speaker. So appreciate everyone who's come in and, you know, spoken, everyone's who listened. Uh, if you're just tuning in now on the spaces, you can listen on the Windy City Gridiron Podcast Network if there's anything you missed. So we're going to bring Matt in. Uh, looks like he's connecting now. So these are going to be the last two questions. We'll see if we can bring him in. Uh, taking a little bit. So we'll wait things out. I'll ramble if I have to. I have no issue with just talking and talking for hours on end. I think that's it's something I want to get checked out, truthfully, is I have a very bad attention span, and I have a tendency to just talk and talk with absolutely no direction. So uh, looks like Matt wasn't able to connect. So we'll bring in Evan Kennedy. Uh, we'll see if Matt's able to join in later as this giant-ass bus just drives past me. So, uh, actually, Matt just requested. So, we'll try it one more time with Matt. You should be in now, Matt. Uh, can you hear me? Let's see. It says Matt's a speaker uh, here on mute. But, Matt, are you coming in? Yep. Sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, no, I can hear you. You're good. What's oh. up? First of all, people with draft stuff, I love. And um, I haven't been able to change. In any of these games? Well, I'm sorry, can you repeat that again? Uh, I, I don't know if it was just on my yeah. end, but it seemed a little choppy. Uh, I just want to make sure that everyone's hearing it. Dominique Robinson, has he shown yeah. anything? Or does he... He has. Uh, I, I think his preseason's been a little quiet. I, I, I'll admit that he's someone that I haven't done as much individual deep diving into because uh, just more so he hasn't produced a ton at this point. And usually I'll either watch people who, you know, produced a lot in the preseason or I'll individually stake out people. Where it's like, oh, I'm wondering how this person's going to do. Uh, and for whatever reason, he just hasn't been on my radar, but I will say that I'm intrigued to see what he can do in the regular season. Cause I think that the, the hopes were really high with him in that first game. He got a sack off Trent Williams and everyone was really hyped up about him. I think he's got length for days, athleticism for days. It's just been a matter of, can he build out that pass rushing toolbox? Can he get a little bit stronger? Cause edge rusher is not his original position. Uh, you know, naturally, I believe he's wide receiver. I know he's a skill position of some sort. Uh, yeah, quarterback, wide receiver. Yeah, so, you know, he's, he's a bit newer to the position, so you have to have a little patience with him. Uh, I will say I think he's a safe bet to make the team just because, look, he's a, a recent fifth-round pick. He had a good amount of playing time experience last year. He's got tools that can indicate he'll be better than what he is now. Uh, so I think he's someone they keep around exactly how much of a role he plays right out of the gate, I'm not sure. 
I think he's a bit just a rotational guy at this point, especially now that you have Yannick Ngakwe, that you have Demarcus Walker in the fold uh, rushing off the edge. I think Robinson's going to be demoted a little bit, but that's fine. You know, I, I think that you have someone who's athletic like that, someone who has the flexibility to turn the corner and the upside to hypothetically develop into a, you know, a solid pass rusher. Uh, I think he's someone you have to give some playing time to. So, admittedly, not. Yeah, I just yeah. didn't know if, if you've seen it from him yet. You know, he hasn't flashed like T- Terrell Lewis or Terrell Lewis yeah. and Gibson. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. Uh, I believe that, you know, looking at the guys off the edge, there's been a lot more. There's a bit of a log jam right now in terms of backups, but Robinson hasn't been the best of the bunch. I'm still waiting for that, like, that breakout opportunity from him. I believe he's capable of doing it. It's just a matter of is that going to come this year? I don't know. But I think realistically he's more of a year three contributor as he has another year to get bigger, as he has another year to improve in terms of knowing how to string together moves at the point of attack. Uh, So, yeah, I I think he's a bit more of a long-term play, but I am interested in seeing what he can do in a rotational role this year. Cool. Thanks, and keep up the draft stuff. I love it. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming in. All right, take care. All right, yeah, thanks to Matt for coming in. Uh, we got another request. So Evan Kennedy, I'm going to bring you in. And the last one's going to be, uh, at Queenie pie bitch. So that's going to be our last one. Evan Kennedy, Evan, we're going to bring you in here. Uh, you should be able to speak now. What's up? Hey, Jacob, can you hear me? Oh uh, yeah, I can hear you. What's up? All right. Uh, Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate all the stuff you do for bears community. You do a lot of good Thank stuff. You. Um, you know, I I try not to overreact or underreact to the preseason a lot, but it's been kind of hard this year, just uh, specifically with Justin Fields. been pretty concerned with the lack of reps that our starters have been getting. Um, Justin and, I mean, everyone else in general. I mean, there's been injuries, of course, that happens, whatnot. But um, I'm kind of curious to hear what you have to say about the Bears potentially not being ready for the season to start. Um, and I'm also thinking, you know, how do we know Justin is going to be any better than he was last year in the past game? Because I listen, the yards after catch stuff is great for him. It's great for the team. I, I like that. But from what I've heard from the camp reports, from what I've seen in preseason, and I get I shouldn't overreact to it, but from what I've seen, it's not as if I necessarily see him, you know, having these wonderful performances or, you know, throwing darts, you know, nonstop in practice or whatever. I'm yeah. kind of curious to hear, should I should I tamper my expectations for him this year, or how should I be reacting to those things? Should I not worry about that at all? Uh, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, so to that, I mean, I'll say that just as a nature of having another NFL offseason to work with and having better weapons and, you know, if they can stay healthy for once, you know, a better offensive line, Uh, I think that should result in a jump from Justin Fields. Uh, It should make him a little bit more comfortable moving in the pocket and, you know, going through progressions like, you know, traditional pocket passer. But again, you're looking at with his athletic ability, with his creativity, with his running ability, he's not going to be like that, you know, that Peyton Manning type of playing style where he's, you know, super, you know, kind of rigid in the pocket. And he has to be like that wizard in terms of, 
subtle footwork and, you know, going through progressions like fields, he's going to have a bit more of a playmaking style to him. Uh, my expectation is he's going to make a jump. I don't know how big it's going to be. I know everyone's been comparing him to Josh Allen, to Jalen Hurts, because you bring in the star receiver and it's year three. Year three is the year you make that big jump, right? And I've heard a lot of those comparisons ever since the Bears brought in DJ Moore. Is that going to happen? I don't know if it's going to happen to the level that we saw with Josh Allen where he transformed the Bills into an AFC contender with Jalen Hurts where he turned them into the NFC champions. I don't think it's going to be to that level. But I do think there's going to be some sort of a jump. And I think that by the end of the year, I think if you see Justin Fields as an average passer, that means he's an above-average starting quarterback in the NFL because of his – just the running ability he brings and the elite athleticism. I mean – it's Lamar Jackson, and then who else? I mean, Anthony Richardson's up there, but uh, does he have the passing upside in terms of accuracy, in terms of deep ball touch that Fields has had? I don't think so. So with all that said, my expectation is Fields is going to have an average season as a passer, but when you factor in his rushing ability, when you factor in how his athleticism affects game plans, he's going to be a uh, – an above-average quarterback by the end of the year. I, I, I still think that you're looking at uh, – there's still some areas you can improve on. I think the preseason, it's such a small sample size. Uh, there were ups and downs, so I'm not expecting him to become this top-five quarterback right out of the gate. Uh, I, I think that's a little pie in the sky with where he's at, but I, I don't think it's unrealistic to say that, like especially in the NFC – I don't think it's unrealistic to say he's a potential Pro Bowl guy. Uh, whether or not he's the guy who can lead the Bears to an NFC North championship this year, uh, I think that's another discussion. I don't think they win the division this year. I still think we're going to see a little bit of growing pains, but I do think that Fields is going to be a good amount better. Uh, it's just a matter of exactly how much he's going to be uh, better to that level. So I hope that answers your question. It does, and I just have a quick follow-up. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm in the same boat where obviously his athleticism, his running ability is second to none, and the guy's, you know, he's he's an average to below average thrower. Yeah. I mean, I think that any realistic Bears fan would say that. And if you're Ryan Poles, and let's say he throws for 3,300 yards, he's got 24 touchdowns. That's a pretty good year. Yeah. Um, you got. I, I feel like it's hard not to look at that situation and say, okay, we've got a pretty good quarterback, but we don't have an elite quarterback. And that's always been my concern with Fields is if the Bears are going to pay him big money, he's got to be elite. Like he can't be average passing with elite running capabilities. I feel like he's got to be a good to very good passer in order for them to pay him. And so where does the line get drawn on a – if you're the Bears, you say, okay, let's pay him versus let's not pay him. So I do think that, you know, there's going to be a little bit of gray area in that regard where, you know, I, I like to compare it. I mean, there's not a ton of precedence for this. I'll, I'll compare it to, say, Lamar Jackson because it's another, you know, a rushing heavy quarterback who's got that rare capability to be a dual threat. The way I look at it, Lamar Jackson right now, he's an above average passer and an elite runner. 
and that makes him a great quarterback, a great football player, a great asset to have. And I think that if Justin Fields right now, his flashes are very good. I think he can certainly be on that Lamar Jackson type tier if maybe he's in six to 10 from the quarterback perspective, maybe flirting with the top five. I think he can get there eventually. Uh, is he there right now? I don't think so. I think there's still quite a bit of improvement, uh, at least going off of last year in terms of decision-making with the football pocket presence, uh, the arm talents there, the athleticism's there. And I think when I compare it to recent cases, like say a Kirk Cousins or a Daniel Jones or some of these quarterbacks who they're good, they're good players, but what are they going to like? What's their ceiling? I don't think Kirk Cousins ceiling is anything above what we've seen from him right now. I don't think Daniel Jones ceiling is much higher than what we've seen from him. I mean, I think there's still a little bit of room for him to grow, but not too much. The thing with fields, I think that you have to look at is say if he has an average passing season, like there's a little bit more consistency there. Maybe he's not tearing it up like a Mahomes or an Allen or a Burrow, but he has a good year throwing the football and he has that elite running ability. I think you can look at that and say there's still more room for growth compared to some of these teams who have locked themselves into average quarterbacks for big money. And I agree. That's like a purgatory. I don't want to be involved in, but I I still look at fields as someone who's a bit different from those guys because he has that physical upside to work with. And I think that there's more developmental potential. So I do think that's what makes him different from kind of that, like the average, uh, Oh, this quarterback's decent, but he's not great. Uh, from that kind of argument. So that's just where I stand on it. I think that, again, Fields has a lot of potential to work with. I could very easily see him becoming a top 10 quarterback eventually. I don't think he's there yet. But I think just because of the upside, I'd be a little bit more favorable to extending him as compared to, you know, one of those, like, game manager types, like, you know, or Jimmy Garoppolo even, where – okay, they're winning games and he's doing good, but what's the ceiling here? Like, is he winning because of the team around him or is he winning because he's elevating your guys? I think that's a question you're going to have to ask by the end of the year with the fields. Agreed. That's all I had for you. Thanks, Jacob. I appreciate your response. Awesome. Yeah, no, I appreciate you coming in, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the questions. So that's going to do it. I'm back here. I don't know if you can tell I can, I can hear the own echo in my apartment. Lovely apartment here in Creefcore, Missouri. Uh, so that's going to do it for this edition of Let's Talk Bears. I'm exhausted. I'm going to go drink some water because I've been walking for a while and talking for a while. So appreciate all you guys for coming in. Going to look to do this again sometime within the next week. So make sure to keep those tweet notifications on so you don't miss a live stream update as well as my tweets. I mean, I think they're pretty good. Uh, that's just me. Some people disagree, but, you know. Fuck them. Who cares? So, all right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, always appreciate the, the feedback and the involvement here from the Bears community. And bear down.
Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Anthropic. 